All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Hello again, and welcome to Primitive Screwheads Talk Horror Movies. And Andrew, you've got red on you. Thanks, buddy. Okay. So, uh, we are two friends who met over while we were teaching over in South Korea, and we have bonded over our shared love of horror movies. This is our fifth episode, and Andrew, uh, we have just recently reached 50 unique downloads. I am very impressed. Oh my gosh, we're so famous. I know. I'm expecting the... um, uh, the Blue Apron sponsorships and Audible sponsorships any day now. Um, how about you? What big sponsorship do you expect to get? I want Sugar Bear Hair. You know, at, at Sugar like, Bear what now? At Sugar Bear Hair. It's what, it's what they get on My Favorite Murder. What? It's, it's, it's like a vitamin that you eat and you get hair. I don't know. I don't know. What? what they always talk about it. Sugar Bear Hair. Yep, it's a thing. All right, I'm looking that up right now. I, I, Sugar I, Bear Hair. I think it's like okay. gummies that give you better hair. I want that. Revolutionary you know? Hair Vitamins. Um... For healthy hair, eat the blue bear. And then, you know, of course, the men's ones are... Oh, no, the vegetarian ones are blue. And then the vegan ones, too. See? Look at this. We're already advertising. We don't even, oh, we don't even know us. Exactly. Okay, so sugar bear hair. Yeah, you're great. Now, where does the hair come in? I don't know. I, I guess it's just vitamins and stuff. Like, you know, like, okay. like people eat the like omega-3 capsules and shit. Probably that. It is specifically vitamins for hair growth, it See? seems. There we go. So when I'm going to start going bald, I'll be set. Uh-huh. That's my goal in life. Wow, and they're little bear-shaped right there. Okay. See, and you can see them like gummies. That's yeah. my goal. Yeah, you can get a Sugar Bear Hair backpack gift set for $200. So it's a backpack full of vitamins? It's a backpack full of vitamins. I guess that's cool. Yeah. I, I don't know. And it's shaped like the gummy. Okay, that's uh-huh. all right. That's, that's great. Okay. Okay, cool, cool. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Try. Um, so yeah, once again, for those of you who don't know, or this is your first episode, welcome. Um, we are once again two friends who met over in Korea and we bonded over our love for horror movies. So this is the podcast where we get together, uh, we try and update weekly about whatever horror movie we, we watched, um, or just want to discuss. And we try and keep it varied, try and keep the genres a little bit um, instanced here and there. A couple of our past episodes we've did, we've done the new Halloween remake, we did the 1982 slasher film Kisses. Um, last week we went ahead and we did the five second films Dude Bro Party Massacre 3. And today we're going to be talking about my personal favorite British Christmas Zombie musical, Anna and the Apocalypse. Whoa, whoa. This is my favorite Scottish Christmas zombie musical film. Oh, man. Ed Sheeran's going to be so pissed Dude, at me. look what you did. Oh, man. Look what you oh, did. Oh, man. All right. So, Andrew, uh, you were the one who recommended this movie. Uh, you were the one who heard about this one first. So, why don't you tell me a little bit of background information about how you kind of discovered this film, how you heard of it, and just general impressions, I guess, first off. Uh, yeah, so uh, I, I first heard about it, uh, I saw a trailer, I think, when I went to go see Black Klansman at some point last year, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, there was a trailer for it, and I was like, oh shit, it's zombie musical, that sounds kind of awesome, um, and I'd recently seen that, uh, what's that film, um, Emo the Musical, which is like another kind of like, I don't know where that went, maybe that's in New Zealand kind of mm-hmm. uh, musical, which actually, ha- I feel like there's a lot of similarities between them in terms of like the style they are, mm-hmm. um, and so like one night I was, you know, browsing the internet, and I saw that it came out, so I ordered it. On like Voodoo and watched it and it was amazing. Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting because this is not a low production film. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a pretty high quality film, you know, with the camera work and the cinematography and everything like that. And, you know, as far as musicals go, it's pretty high up there. So I was very surprised to see, you know, just how well done everything was. Yeah. Um, Overall, I don't think it's an amazing movie. It was no. definitely entertaining. It was definitely worth my time, but it was very by the numbers. And beyond the concept, there wasn't too much I found interesting. Um, mm-hmm. The concept was definitely enough to keep my interest the whole way through. And then the soundtrack, too. There are some songs that I just I still continue to listen to and have in my head, like the one I was singing as we were prepared for this episode. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's music's great. Like, I, thought, I thought they did a really good job. I think that's... To me, I think that's actually kind of like what makes this movie good. Um, I don't think, I think the plot, like you're saying, is very basic. What happens in it's very basic. Mm-hmm. Um, but the score and the music they put into it is really good. Um, mm-hmm. And the times that I notice I feel myself kind of lagging in it, or the times I'm kind of like, all right, what's going on? is when there hasn't been a song in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think definitely there is a point where they kind of stop using music, and that's kind of where you kind of feel that drag. Yeah, definitely. All right, cool. All right, so let's get started with our analysis of the film then. And at the very end, you've got some themes you want to talk about based on this movie, and we can kind of discuss that and figure out what's going on there. Yeah, cool. Um, So, um, our movie starts out with our protagonist, Anna, who is a high school girl driving to school by her dad, and in the backseat with her is her best friend, John. Now, Anna, she is your typical free spirits. I don't want to fit into any one mold. I just want to go out. I want to have fun. I want to live life on my own terms. Um, John is her best friend. And as is pretty apt in a lot of these teenage romance movies, or not romance, but teenage movies, he is secretly in love with her. And I want to pause there for a second and actually like ask you, what did you think of the character John? I liked him. I thought... I don't know. I thought I like. I don't know what this says about me, but I found John Mueller a relatable character, just in terms mm-hmm. of like. I feel like he was that stereotype of that character who likes the other person. Yeah. But I feel like he was somebody who kind of understood where he was and wasn't gonna. It wasn't like one of those kind of like you're gonna see him pining after her the entire time. He kind of understood what he was and just made the best out of their friendship. Yeah. Which I kind of and... think isn't as often. We don't see that as often. Mm-hmm. Kind of yeah, see. there really weren't any, besides the one instance later on in the movie, there weren't any grand gestures where, uh, so basically just to back up a little bit, I mean, he's deeply, deeply in love with Anna, but, well, no, I'm going to rephrase that. He has a huge, huge, huge crush on Anna, and he cares very deeply about her, but Anna does not reciprocate. So they kind of play it up as the unrecruited romance, teenage, typical thing, Um and the movie could have very, very easily veered into nice guy territory where he gets really pissed off because she's not reciprocating any of his romantic advances. But, I mean, as far as John goes, he's a pretty solid friend the whole way through. And he is pretty respectful yeah. of her decisions and her independence. Well, and, I mean, and I think mm-hmm. like, the way that I think about his character is... Like, I kind of think him as the friend who knows, who likes Anna, at some point maybe have confronted it, and mm-hmm. they've moved past it, and now he just, in the story, doesn't want her to leave, he doesn't want to lose that friend he has. And, like, yeah. I feel like that's what I get a lot more of the vibe from, which I like, is that it's more of that he's concerned about losing a friend rather than losing the romantic interest. Really? Because I, like. I had the exact opposites. Because um, I felt like a lot of times in the songs, he would be talking about, well, you know, I 
yeah, I, how can I get you to stay? How can I do that right there? But there are a few times in the movie where Anna brings it up and says, listen, we're just friends. You know, there's, there's not going to be anything more than that. And it's awkward teenage conversation, but I definitely got the fact that he's trying his best to get over her, but he's really not. Yeah, like I think he uh-huh. still likes her, but I think and I think that when they can, when they have to directly confront it, it's awkward for him. But mm-hmm. I don't think, but I don't really think of him as somebody who has any actual hope for it happening, and that like yeah. a lot of his his sadness and what's going on and his desire to not have her leave is more mm-hmm. not wanting to lose a friend as opposed to not wanting to lose yeah dating her. Gotcha. All right, yeah. so we'll delve into that a little bit more as these characters start to develop. Um, we're also introduced to Anna's dad who is driving them through, and this is when Anna's dad finds out that Anna is not planning on going straight to college. She's planning on taking a gap year to travel around Australia um, and go through the outback and see Uluru and, you know, punch a wallaby in the face. I don't know what they do in Australia, (laughs) but that's, you know, something that's going on right there. And dad is not too happy about this. And this is when we really start to see the first kind of breakdown of communication between the characters in this one it's this obviously they're playing it up for tension because shit's gonna hit the fan later on and Anna's gonna go oh why was I so upset and mean to my dad but it is what it is for right now mm-hmm. yep so yeah so, like, well, so I, we think, got, I think mm-hmm. kind of like you're saying like with the breakdown of communication like and this is the thing we're gonna see later on too is like like we, we he doesn't even like ask her about it it's just he basically just like don't be stupid if your mother could see you now like what would she say mm-hmm. so we can't we're kind of seeing that like the relationship isn't very good and you know like i think how they actually just talked about it would have been better mm-hmm. and john yeah. as the awkward kind of side character is the one who introduces it so it kind of mm-hmm. throws that in there yeah because like anna she you know she buys the plane ticket she doesn't talk to him at all about this decision she basically just makes it on her own mm-hmm. and i think there is definitely some aspect of dad being pissed off about that saying well you didn't talk to me about this you didn't get my input i'm your father and you're a teenage girl you know obviously you're growing into your own woman and starting your own life but he kind of feels insulted that she didn't come to him because of it. And this is also where we learn that Anna's mother's dead. Though we don't, yes. we don't quite know how she died. Do we ever learn that and when she died? Uh, no, I don't believe so, but it's not really pertinent to the plot. It's just she doesn't have a mother figure. So. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Yep. Cool. So that's that. Um, so we move on in, and we're introduced to our new character, Steph. Um, Steph is played by... Sarah Swire, which, oh, yeah. bit of trivia for this movie right here, um, she was actually the woman who did all the choreography for this movie. So all the dance moves and all the dance numbers. Oh, I didn't um, know that. That was all her right Crazy. there. Yeah, so that was pretty cool when I learned that. Uh, Steph is a character. She's another high school student. Um, she is the closest thing to the Bernie Sanders of the group. Um, <laughs> she is obsessed with helping out the homeless at Christmas, thanks to town. Oh yeah, we had, let's talk about the setting. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. So this movie is set in the tiny Scottish town of... Oh, the Wikipedia somewhere doesn't have it. It's like something falls. Yeah, I can't remember. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, L- Little Haven. Little Haven, that's it, yeah. Little Haven, um, which is this tiny Scottish town. There's not much going on there, which is why Anna wants to get out so desperately. Um they're all high school students, and Stephanie, Steph, 
finds out her girlfriend's not coming back for Christmas, and she's very, very upset about that. And then she also goes into a run-in with our antagonist of the movie, the crusty, mean old Mr. Savage. Great name. Great name. Great name for villain. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Mr. Savage, he's got this real nasally voice the whole time, especially when he's singing, and I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's kind of funny because he was play uh, in Game of Thrones. He plays uh, Thoros of uh, Mirror, I think that's how we say it, the guy with the flaming sword. Mm. Um, and I was like, I, that face looks so familiar. And I was like, holy shit, it's the Game of Thrones guy. It's the guy who was mauled by a zombie bear. Cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot. So, yeah, yeah. And we also learned that at this point that Steph, um, Steph is Canadian, I believe, and um, her family is currently on a trip to Mexico. Yes. So she's currently alone, basically, by herself, while she's also yeah. trying to, so she's trying to make, be a nice person to help these people out while her family are gone. Um, yeah, she's trying to fill that void because, like, everyone has, and whether intentionally or not, abandoned her at Christmas time. So she's very disconnected from everyone and everything and not only that the crusty mean old mr savage is taking away her car which mm-hmm. i don't know if that's an actual thing over in the united kingdom um but yeah. mr savage comes up to her and says well if it's on school property it belongs to the school and then she's forced to turn her keys over which is interesting she's like, jesus like, yeah. if you drive to school they're in high school that probably is pretty normal it's yeah. not like the parking lot was full <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was weird. Anyway. anyway, so that's when we get our first uh, musical number, which is Breakaway. Um, and the theme of this song is all about all of these characters just wanting and yearning for what they want. It's the Disney princess song. It's the um, the, the yearning song where, you know, Ariel's part of your world or Belle's... Um, Bonjour, um, all of that right there, where they basically just explain all of their wants. Mm-hmm. Anna wants to get away from Little Haven. Chris wants Anna's, or um, not Chris, John wants Anna to stay. Steph wants people to actually listen to her about all of this homeless and injustice going on in this world. Mm-hmm. And then we're also introduced to two new characters. We have Chris and Lisa, who are our last kind of big characters in this movie. Um, and they really don't have much personality. Yeah, that, that's kind of what I was thinking. I feel like Chris and uh, Lindsay really aren't. What was her name? What was her name? Chris and uh, Lisa. Lisa. Okay, there we go. Chris and uh, and Lisa aren't really uh, anything. Like, but like I feel like that that in the later song it comes through as to what they are. But yeah, uh, but they're basically just they're hopelessly in love with each other, and there are Romeo and Juliet to the film, and you know. <laughs> Yeah. There's one point later on in the beginning of the movie where they say, oh, I hope this lasts forever. And we're like, foreshadowing. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, they're, so we got they're, the, they're the ones who are content with their lives, basically. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and then we got one more character, too, um, who is Nick, I believe his name was. Yep. Yes, Nick, um, who is an ex-boyfriend of Anna, or at the very least, they hooked up at one point. He is kind of the jerk bully. At one point, he draws on John's face. And he keeps going up to Anna and saying, hey, if you want to hook up sometime over Christmas break, give me a call. And Anna just goes, oh, man. Meanwhile, so, her father's right behind her when he says that, which is a great Yes, great that too. <laughs> yeah, that was good. So that's kind of the introduction to all of these characters right here. And at this point, we clearly know exactly what Anna wants, what John wants, what the dad wants, what Steph wants. 
Lisa and Chris are just there. Mm-hmm. We know what Nick wants. Nick wants to, you know, get inside Anna again. And then that's about it. Yeah. Um, so then we go over to... We find out that there's a Christmas show happening during this time. This whole movie takes place very close to Christmas. And during this scene, especially this breakaway musical number, there's little bits of hints of zombies here and there. Like at one point, a girl comes up with an inhaler and just starts breathing really, really, really heavily. And then we don't see it's an inhaler. So we're thinking, oh shit, is that a zombie? Oh, nope, just some girl with an inhaler. Mm-hmm. Little blood stains here and there. What? And did People you, are scratching them. Did you hear in the mm-hmm. beginning, like on the radio, on the radio, somebody was just like, uh, they're they're talking like you could be listening. They were saying like, "Oh, there's a pathogen." The CDC was like, "Oh, the CDC announced that there's a pathogen. Seemed like capable of reanimating." And then they cut it off. To, to complain yeah, about the, the dad just like says, so, "Nope." More important thing to talk about. Just like, "Oh, <laughs> you could have known. We could have known." Yeah, that um, it reminded me of that scene in Shaun of the Dead where Shaun is just flipping through channels, and then it keeps every single time they flip through, it creates this whole big monologue, but it switches between, you know, musical to news part report yeah. to game show to everything like that. Uh, yeah. Um, and that's one thing I do like about this movie is when the shit actually does hit the fan and the zombies are revealed to the main characters. They're not just played for background gags. Like there's no, Oh, what is this? How could they be eating people? No, all of these teenagers know exactly what they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Zombies destroy the head. Good. Done. But actually, so, yeah. I, that does actually bring me up a question later. I wrote that on uh-huh. my notes because because they just assume that it's the zombies. We never get a firm establishment of the rules. So when people get bit by the zombies and they're like, "Oh man, I'm gonna turn into a zombie," we have no precedence for that. What do you mean by that? Could you explain that a little bit more? Then they never. We never see somebody get bit and turn into a zombie. I mean, we see people get bits and then they cut away and then they come back and then they're zombies later on in the movie. But we we see that we see that with certain characters later on. But yeah. but at that point they already but at that point they already make the assumption that they're doomed once they get bit. But we never uh-huh. see that as an established law before. So okay. there are times where characters kind of give up, like oh I got bit, and they give up, and then I'm just like, but we don't know that that's how what happens yet. <laughs> like we don't know okay. if you have to die first. We don't know that this is the infects you and kills you, and then you become a zombie, or just whenever you die you become a zombie. Uh huh. Oh, so where are we talking? Like you know, we don't know if it's Night of the Living Dead rules, Return of the Living Dead rules, Shaun of the Dead rules. Yeah, we, we never, uh-huh. we never quite get that. They, they assume Night of the Living Dead rules. So like, yeah, I get it. But like you know, that, that was my yeah, one, one I, issue I had with it. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I assume like I feel like the most popular zombie lore is you get bit you turn into a zombie a few minutes later mm. um if you're already dead then you stay dead it's not return of the living dead where the zombies are just absolutely insane and unkillable um yeah that's kind of what i assume i mean you know you destroy the head bam they're dead mm. all right so anyway. that's right <laughs> so all right so back into the thing sorry i keep going off yeah the uh, no, that's good no it's fine um so we went ahead and we go into the christmas pageant scene and i think i want to have you talk about this uh for the halibut oh well, we're not there yet Oh, okay. So what's in one missing? Um, so, so after the, so after um, after they have their first song, uh, we kind of meet the characters again, and they're at lunch, um, and they're all kind of sitting together. Uh, we have uh, Lisa, Nick, um, John, and Anna all kind of sitting together, um, and kind of you know Anna, Nick, Anna's eyeing Nick from across the way, and mm-hmm. we get that kind of comment where because uh, Nick kind of or uh, Steph North comes up again and asks them asks Nick to come to the homeless shelter with her to film it, mm-hmm. um, which I think this is kind of where we see a little more Steph's character because we kind of realize that Steph is kind of on the outside completely like yeah. they're they're kind of their own little loner group but she has nobody because we kind of see mm-hmm. her 
come up and like I think that the actress does a really good job because she plays her really awkwardly. Yeah. Like she comes up, kind of makes some like weird kind of lame jokes and like mm-hmm. uh, asks him to come, uh, asks Chris to come uh, film with her so they can film the homeless yeah. shelter. And you can clearly tell she's uncomfortable with all of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, like she has some line where she's like, "Well, stick it to him," and they're just kind of like, "Okay, cool, bye." And like mm-hmm. they're almost yeah. kind of dicks to her, um, which I which I like in the sense that like we get we get to see these different dynamics. Like not every bit like our characters aren't great, um, mm-hmm. great people, and they kind yeah. of you know even though if there's somebody else awkward with them, they're willing to kind of be dicks back. You know. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, and so then we kind of launch into our next song, um, which is Hollywood Ending, uh, because, uh, such thing as a Hollywood ending, which is probably like my catchiest song. Oh, it's so freaking catchy. Uh, Yeah. Um, Uh and, and this song I really like because, um, so now that we kind of, at this point, we don't really know about the relationship with Nick and Anna, but I think you can, um, kind of recontextualize it a lot of it around that. Mm -hmm. Um, because in this discussion, we kind of, um, when we see Anna looking over at Nick, um, I think Lisa's like, man, who would ever like stoop them to, to, you know, who would ever stoop that low to fuck this guy? Mm-hmm. And you kind of see the awkward. And when you first watch it, you think, okay, it's awkward because obviously John wants to, you know, have relations with Anna. But mm-hmm. then you realize, oh no, she's saying that because they all know that she had sex with Nick. Yeah. And so they all kind of bite their tongue. Oh fuck. Mm-hmm. And so then yeah. in Hollywood ending, we we have the song pick up and John singing about how romance, the Hollywood romance is a lie and he won't really get the girl. Like this idea that he, yeah. he waits around and gets the girl, it won't happen. So he's going to kind of give up on it. Um, mm-hmm. And then we kind of cut back to Anna. And Anna's- yeah, can I pause okay. there for a second on yeah. that one real quick? No, go for it. Yeah, I, I really like John's section in this song, definitely, because mm-hmm. like you said earlier, Teenage Dan can definitely relate to that as well. I feel most men have, can relate to that real quick, where that lesson they have to learn is, you know, it's relationships are not you put in niceness points and then you get a relationship out of it. You know, people, you got to look at the individual, you got to look at the person and you got to move on from that. And you got to know, you know, when it's just not going to work out for whatever reason. And sometimes it could be completely out of your control. So I really like what they did in the song and how Nick kind of talks about that and kind of comes to terms with that. Well, and actually then you kind of brought something interesting idea to me. And like, we talk a lot about kind of like, the female narrative gets pushed in films and kind of like the stereotype that gets pushed in films of the, mm-hmm. the girl waiting around for the Prince Charming or kind of the, yeah. changing the, the man, like, you know, changing the broken guy to help make him dateable, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I guess if, and like, if that's kind of the common female narrative that's, that's put up, or I think that's not some weird female narrative, but the common narrative for women that we see put up in these kind of movies, it is interesting that I feel like we do actually, that we, the common male narrative is the wait around, be the nice guy, and you will eventually get the girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and I which, do which feel that this film touches on that hmm. but it definitely doesn't glorify that at all oh no um, I, I think i think it's, i think it's a rejection of it completely yeah mm-hmm. which, which oh I like. yeah no, that, yeah that's what i'm trying to get across right there yeah mm-hmm. it's an absolute rejection of that which is nice i like that yeah so. like it, it's, mm-hmm. it's like because i think it is problematic to push that around i think i think kind of if we talk about kind of indoctrination and what we get taught as, as young kids that is something that gets pushed up a lot and like mm-hmm. well it, it is a lesson in trying to say like hey be nice but it's also a lesson in you know, not listening to the other person, which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was nice. But, um, but, yeah. th- but then kind of like recontextualizing in terms of Nick and what's going on in Anna's story. When I first heard it, I thought it was okay. Cause she, her first line is like, don't be mistaken. My heart's still breaking. And I thought it was about mm-hmm. going to Australia and the fact that she thought that her father didn't care that she, um, her father thought that she didn't care that she was leaving him behind. And I mm-hmm. thought originally, okay, so it's a song about her saying like, yeah, this still hurts me, but I still need to leave. But then I realized, mm-hmm. oh no, it's her saying that, singing about the fact that everybody in the school, cause they, the people are looking at her. They know that she mm-hmm. fucked Nick, and Nick's talked yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. And so she's saying that, like, she has this hard attitude, but it's still hurting her that, you know, Nick 
talk to people about the fact that she had sex and that the school knows about it. So part of her needing to break yeah. away is also her needing to get away from this environment where she feels like, you know, she's viewed as something that she isn't. Because um, she talks about how, like, you know, it doesn't matter if you, like, you know, like the, the kill Mary shag kind of thing, the line about, like, you know, mm-hmm. um, how it doesn't really matter to her and that, like, she wishes that this, like, that, you know, she's not a pure person, but she's not a salacious person either. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought that was really interesting, kind of watching it a second time, being like, oh, okay, she's actually singing about how the relationship with Nick affected her and her social standing, not about yeah. her leaving, which I thought was awesome. And she puts on such a tough exterior about it that, you know, it says, I don't, you know, outwardly says, I don't care, you know, that's just something like that. But it, it is affecting her, and her reputation is affecting how she behaves and how she acts. And like you said, I yeah, I like how you phrased that. She just wants to get away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, and I, I like that because I think it also kind of makes me wonder, like, okay, is that what a lot about leaving to Australia is about? Is being after being like in a school for a year where people mm-hmm. talk about her sex life and openly kind of have these opinions of her? Yeah, like it's I don't know, it's uh, it, 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 I don't know, changed that song a lot for me. I didn't really expect that. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I like that. And like uh, to comment on what you talked about earlier, um, and feel free to interrupt me, but um, you you mentioned kind of how um, how Steph's character, Steph's actress, did the choreography. And actually, mm-hmm. I really liked the choreography because it felt very High School Musical to me. And not High School Musical like the music, like the, the movie, but like in terms of like the movements are very simple. There was no over-the-top things that were going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I don't think my dog's chewing a bone very loudly behind me. Um, <laughs> uh, um, and I, I like that. It felt very like, I don't know, like unprofessional, but in a good way. Like, mm-hmm. like yeah, these kids could be doing this kind of um, and not like they're all like, 40 or like 25 year olds dancing around, which I'm sure they were, but you know, it felt mm-hmm. a little bit more realistic to me. And I also like that they yeah. involved in more than just the students, like the lunch lady joined in on the dance and stuff, which I thought was mm-hmm. cool. And she also joined in the singing to kind of show that, yeah, this is, this is a teen problem they're facing, but it's one that goes beyond, it's not just a teen issue. It's like, it's like a general, like this is life, which mm-hmm. I liked. Um, I think a lot yeah. of these movies would, will have it as be like, Hey, it's just a teen issue. And this is just, you know, kids going through their, their shit, but it's like, no, this woman here is also feeling the same way. She's, a lunch lady at a school and probably isn't too happy about that fact. Like, you know, maybe she is, but I'd assume that, that wasn't her goal when she was younger. And so mm-hmm. the, the whole the Hollywood ending works perfectly for her as well. It's, it's yeah. That's cool. Exactly. And I feel you can even expand upon that and just look at it as life in general. You know, nothing really is going to work out a hundred percent of what you expected right there, but that's not a bad thing. You know, you can adjust and you can deal with it. And, you know, it's, um, Okay, so I'm going off on a completely random tangent here. Go for it. But, so, one of the books I've read over the last year was The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And there's one chapter that talks about expectations in life and how you can look at things in certain perspectives. Um, One chapter was about, and I'm going to pull up his name real quick. This band member... um, no, that's the wrong Wikipedia article. There we go. Uh, Dave Mustang. And he is the guitarist for Megadeth. And he was actually involved in Metallica for a while. And he got kicked out of the band before Metallica got really, really big. And then he went ahead and he formed his own band, Megadeth. Megadeth is multi-platinum selling. He's a millionaire, makes a ton of dollar, a, t- a ton of money. But... He admits in interviews that he's always felt like he was the guy who got kicked out of Metallica. And that's something that has always kind of haunted him for that one right there, even if he is a complete heavy metal rock star who really changed the music scene. Um, 
Then, as a counterpoint to that, you have Pete Best of the Beatles, who was kicked out of the Beatles very early on and replaced with this funky-looking dude called Ringo Starr. (laughs) And he really took that perspective, and he ran the opposite direction with it. And in an interview in the 90s, he says, yeah, it sucked, and there were some years when I was extremely depressed about it, but I wouldn't have the life I have now if I hadn't been kicked out of the Beatles. So both of them had different ways of measuring success, and I feel no such thing as a Hollywood ending is kind of an acceptance of that as well. Some of the characters are, you know, kind of embracing that fact and saying, well, it's not going to work out exactly the way I expect, and that's okay, and then some of them are a little bit more hard on themselves about that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Anyway, that's my little soapbox right there. I like it. I like it. Uh-huh. Um, All right, cool. Let's see. Uh, oh, and so, are you, do, you, do you have, or do you want to keep talking about, finish up talking about the song? Nah, that's it. No. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, um, so, like, along with kind of John and Anna, Anna who kind of definitely have the, the, uh, the kind of theme of being disillusioned with the world around them, we kind uh-huh. of then have Lisa and Nick, who, who, are, who are singing kind of the star-crossed lover part that you mentioned earlier. Like, yeah. um, they're singing how, you know, they found the person they want, and... And they're kind of in that Hollywood um, movie fight. They haven't, they haven't kind of opened mm-hmm. up. They haven't lost their innocence yet in that way. Like, yeah. we kind of imply that, you know, John kind of knocked out of what's going on in his life uh, with what happens with Anna. And mm-hmm. kind of that incident kind of wakes them both up to the world. While Lisa yeah. and Nick are still kind of absorbed within each other and don't see the world around them. Mm-hmm. Um, which I really liked. I thought, I, like, I thought that the kind of the juxtaposition between uh, the two, especially when they start singing along with each other, where you kind of hear mm-hmm. the them kind of seeing how they want the Hollywood ending. Meanwhile, Anna and John kind of layer over them saying like, there's no such thing. I thought it was a really nice, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, kind of, I don't know what you call it harmony. It's not harmonizing, but whatever that sounds like. Juxtaposition, I guess. Yeah. Counterpoints. Um, yeah. And, something like that. And did you, did you notice like, you don't really notice it when you're listening to the song as much, but Savage has his little part and I was watching yes. it again. And at first I was just like, all right, it's just so much Savage being there. And at first it's uh-huh. like, all right, it's just like a negative thing. What's going on with him? But I kind of felt sorry for Savage because, like, which is weird to say, but I, like, watching it again and, like, sign, kind of seeing the fact he's been working there for this long and he's about to be the dean. Or, mm-hmm. um, um, and he kind of, the way he walks away, I almost kind of looked at it as him looking back at kind of his youth and seeing what they're doing and kind of, like, that, yeah. that hopping around they're doing. He just kind of turns around and walks away kind of sadly. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it kind of set more... Yeah, he's the Dave Mustaine of that part right here where he just, he feels... And we never really explore his past. But we do know he's a deeply disturbed individual who likes control, mm-hmm. and we don't really see what made him that way. Maybe that was, you know, a part that was cut from the original script. But yeah, no, when I saw that first part there, too, and I think this is what you're getting at, is I kind of suspected there's a deeper underlying sadness to Savage. Yeah. That, unfortunately, we never really explore. Well, yeah, it's, it's almost kind of like like the, the bitterness, we, like what we see later is maybe just like the bitterness of him not having that, which is mm-hmm. what I like. Um yeah. yeah. Anyway, all right. Cool. So that's a Hollywood ending. Great song. Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff right there. So we're going through there, um, and then we go into the do, 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 do. Anna and Steph have a little scene in the parking lot where they're talking about how Anna is so upset about her dad and doesn't want to be with him anymore, and then. Steph is talking about how her girlfriend doesn't isn't coming down for Christmas, and her dad are five thousand away in Mexico, and just how alone she is. And that's a pretty simple scene. You know, we just kind of connect with each other on that one right there. And this is really the first time where Anna is actually nice to Steph, so it's nice. Mm-hmm. 
Um, we get a quick little scene where Anna and Chris, or not Chris, John are at the bowling alley, um, where they both work at the very end, and not much there. They're just kind of complaining about their job, and then I think this is also one time, too, where John tries to convince them, um, tries to convince her to stay just a little bit, just by having a little throwaway line. Um, yeah. But again, it's he's not really hammering in the point. He's keeping it mostly to himself, but that's just kind of him testing the waters. Yeah. Yep. And then we get to the fish wrap. Oh, my God, a fish wrap. I love a fish wrap. <laughs> I, so tell me about the fish wrap. So, all right. So in the, earlier on in the scene, we see these two kids walking out. Um, and this might just be something about me. I don't know. We see these kids walking out of like the theater um, in, these, in these penguin costumes, and Savage is, is like, you flightless, uh, and Kelly says, you flightless chancers, and he tries to get them to come back in. And you're kind of like, all right, what are these weird penguin costumes for? But uh, when uh-huh. we cut back to the Christmas pageant, we see these two people in penguin costumes singing this song, this rap, called The Fish Rap, and it's spelled W-R-A-P. Um, and as you should know, that means it's just full of puns. And it's just the most punny rap I've ever heard, and it's the best. I mean, it's a 30-second song, and I have the lyrics pulled up right now, so let's go with it. All right. <laughs> My favorite dish is fish, mother flipper, and I eat for the hell of it. A nice bit of hell a bit. That's not the only fish they got. Mackerel! I can take more than a snackful. Salmon with some jammin'. I can drink it by the taffle. Haddock is all radical. I eat the fins. I eat the gills. Pollock, cod, flounder, guppy. All fish is delicious. Sue me. I know I kind of messed up with the rap right there at the end right there, but you get the point. It's completely out of nowhere. It's hilarious. It's the weirdest song in the movie. And it's at a Christmas pageant. And it's never mentioned again. (laughs) Like, it's at a Christmas pageant for some reason. Yes. And they did a great job. It was was beautiful. Uh That movie was made just for that. Yes, it was. It was great. I loved it. And this is also when we, when then we kind of jump to and get to see uh, Savage and Anna's dad talking a little bit, mm-hmm. and we get the idea that basically uh, his Anna's father works for Savage, and um, Savage is kind of you know pissed off at this whole uh, Christmas festival. Basically, it's not going the yeah. way he wants it. He doesn't have control. That's the biggest thing with him. Is and uh, the next song that comes on, he is really really pissed off about it because it's not something he would put on up there and. You know, once again, his whole character arc is he wants control of everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was great. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. And then, so then we get um, we get our third song, fourth song. Actually, the, the Shrap was a great song. Uh, yes. Um, uh-huh. And I can't, I didn't write down the name of it. Is it just? It is, it's that time of year. We're talking about the one Lisa sang, yeah. right? Yeah. And we, do, you want, do you want to explain this one? This one is great. Oh, yes. Let me pull up the lyrics again. Uh, yeah, there we go. So basically, um, when we meet uh, Lisa, she's saying that she's got this whole big number that she's going to do on herself, uh, by herself um, at the Christmas show at the school. And remember, this is a high school show. Um, and she gets on up there in a real slinky blue dress and starts seductively singing a song about how much she wants to fuck Santa. Um, some of the <laughs> best lyrics in here are, My chimney needs a good unblocking. Um... If you're feeling frozen stiff, my fire's burning hot for you. There's one gift I want to unwrap. Let me sit upon your lap. <laughs> so come on over and unload your sack. Tie those reindeer up so you might be a while. Um, and, and, yeah. And meanwhile, like while she's singing the song, you know, she's looking at the audience for her boyfriend who's out um, filming the video with Steph. But what she does uh, see is her boyfriend's Graham 
sitting there and giving a little thumbs up while she's singing this very kind of inappropriate song and flating yes. the uh, the microphone while these guys in red suspenders and her shirtless dance behind her. Uh-huh. It, it was, it's yeah, it's so weird. It, this section of the film right there, I don't know, totally it seems a lot different from the rest of the film. I don't know if it was just someone said, hey, we should inject a little bit more humor in there, but it's... Uh, because the rest of the movie is not very ton in cheek. Like, a lot of the moments are played fairly seriously, and there are some emotionally hitting moments later on, but mm-hmm. it's just weird. Well, I also kind of, t- weird. kind of took, like, the, the moment, too. Like, I think if we're going to characterization of, like, uh, Lisa and them, it is still kind uh-huh. of that, that fun-loving high school. Like, that, that's a very, like, quirky high school movie thing to do, you know? And so it kind of puts them into that Hollywood story again of, like, oh, look at these kids, you know? you know, pissing off the, the big mean teacher during the, the talent show, you know, and like nobody gets it. Uh-huh. Like it was kind of, I think that was kind of back into that Hollywood moment, which I kind of gotcha. thought worked with the story. I don't know. It's been a while since I saw High School Musical. So, Whoa. but I don't remember a scene about fucking Santa in there. Dude, that was like every song. <laughs> Come on. get Oh shit. You're right. Get your head in the game. It was obviously about sex. Oh my God. And we're all in this together. Yeah. See, that orgy. was about an orgy. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Soaring, flying. Wow. Come on. It's obviously about coming. Wow. Right? Come on. Wow. Okay, God. Damn. I got some talk to Vanessa Hudgens who do. Yeah. Um, so we got that right there. Uh, so then we go ahead to the bowling alley scene. We head back to John and Anna at the bowling alley with their nighttime job. And the cleaning lady is there. <laughs> oh, before, I'm sorry, before that happens, uh, Mr. Kid Swatters slash Mr. Savage is hearing noises outside the high school and he opens up the door and there's nothing there but then he closes the door and we're seeing these blood streaks on the other side of the door telling us that the zombies are extremely close and people are going to die very soon so that's that and actually just a quick comment there when i when i first saw that you know so he kicked he kind of kicks the door open you see kind of like ashes or i'm guessing it's supposed to be snow floating around Uh outside yeah i first saw that i thought it was some like i don't know weird alternate zombie movie where like he opened the door and it hit it and it turned into ashes. And I was like, oh shit, it's going to be some like, now it's like in the air and it's going to breathe it in. And I had this like really cool moment of like, I don't know, like just like a return of the living dead thing where zombies can exist in particle form. Yeah. I was like, oh shit. It's uh-huh. like, he like, I don't know, maybe he like Avengers Endgame, you know, Avengers hit him and he's like turned into dust and he's going to like float around, he's going to breathe it in. Savage is going to become like a zombie. And I was really <laughs> excited for that. And then it didn't happen. Uh-huh. So I was, I had a moment of like wicked excitement. <laughs> uh-huh. but, no. So yeah, so then we get into the next scene where John and Anna are still at the bowling alley, and this is kind of another bonding moment between the two, and they kind of hammer in the point again that Anna just wants to break away, and Anna wants to be free and go to Australia and do her own thing because she just wants to live life on her own terms, and John wants her to stay because he is still heavily infatuated with her, and things are just... He is not only going to miss the girl he has a crush on, but also his best friend as well. Um, and they knock out the cleaning lady. <laughs> um, at one point, Anna forgets to pick up a shoe, so John decides to do a cutesy kind of, hey, I'm going to take this hockey stick and I'm going to kick it in the bin. And he misses and accidentally hits the cleaning lady on the head with a bowling shoe, and she is just out cold. <laughs> and... They just decide her to drag her to the bathroom and just leave her there? I don't, I don't think so. I, I think they, like, woke her up and then left. Well, she comes back later and she's in the bathroom oh, uh, as a zombie. I think we just assumed that she went there and died or something. I don't know. Or I got bit. Okay. Um, though this also, this also where we get a scene that's planted for later um, where they are letting all these boulders out. There's all these, like, drunk boulders out. 
And you can kind uh-huh. of see that, like, Anna's kind of bored with the job, but John kind of likes it. John, like, enjoys the hokiness of it. Um, yeah. Which I think kind of ties into the idea that he is not quite as disillusioned as she is um, mm-hmm. with what's going on with everything. Like, even in, in the Hollywood ending song at one point, she actually see her turn to him and sing the lyrics at him while he's kind of dancing around like an idiot. So we kind uh-huh. of get this idea that he's not, doesn't hate it quite as much. But he, uh, uh-huh. they basically try to uh, list or name all of the bowlers as different reindeer. So they go yeah. on Dasher, on Dancer, on Donner, and they basically just fuck yeah. up. None of them know, know, know the names. Um, that just come, <laughs> it comes back later. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, definitely. So we got that. Uh, Anna and John go home for the night. They share this really cute moment in the snow where they're talking about the different reindeer. And you really get the sense that they both care about each other. It just on different wavelengths. Oh, actually, that, that um, reminds me, just a quick thing, uh, that fake snow, both times I watched it, it annoyed me. Oh, yeah. Like, was it fake snow? Because we don't see snow anywhere else. Was it fake snow, uh-huh. or were they just like, laying in like a really nicely ground, like, sawdust kids' play place? No, it's definitely fake snow, because they're making the little snow angels right there, and I've never seen a playground like that before. I, 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 was, I was, like, flabbergasted. I, like, so much of my time was taken up. I'm like, it's not snowing right now. We don't see snow anywhere uh-huh. else, but this one it's place. It's just a bestos. That's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> like that that really like that irked me a lot and i was just like I was maybe, maybe it's kind of showing the idea that they don't actually have snow and they're just making the best out of it by making snow angels in it i'm like i'm just thinking about this too much <laughs> <laughs> no i think they were trying to play that for snow but was, yeah was it was funny bad. well and this because uh yeah i'm looking around at there there's little piles of snow here and there but yeah i, I think it was snow okay mm-hmm. well and this is also right, kind cool. of where we get a so john basically anna's talking about um how she's gonna try they're gonna try to basically turn their lives around now John says, like, he's going to try to work out so they can go visit her in Australia, and that kind of gives him hope. Mm-hmm. And they kind of try to make it, make this kind of idea that we can at least, you know, we can enjoy the time we have. Uh, yeah. And they kind of make that resolution. Um, yeah. And John also makes a comment about all of the other reindeer. Have you ever seen that movie, All of the Other Reindeer? Was, I have not. Oh, no. It was like a movie about a dog named Olive. And at one point, uh, Santa, I think, loses his reindeer. And he says, in like, on a news announcement, he's like, Olive, I need all of the other reindeer. So this dog <laughs> goes out to become the reindeer. Sorry, cra- that sounds amazing. Happy movie, but like uh, that's all I could think about when I said. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> yeah. And doesn't he make a joke about that later on? He's just like, you know, oh, there's another. Yeah. Or is this the scene where he this makes, where the, he makes joke the joke and saying, "Yeah, okay, gotcha." Yeah. He's like, "Yeah, one of the reindeers called Olive." What do you mean, Olive? Yeah, you know how the song goes, "Olive the other reindeer." And then it's just like, God damn it, John, that's the worst dad joke ever. Could, that's the type of joke I would tell. Could the person um, who wrote that knows? They, they've seen that great movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that must be a callback. So anyway, uh, we get our next musical number, which is our fifth song, which is Turning My Life Around, which is probably one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. Um, It's so good. It's actually what sold me on doing this movie for a review. (laughs) Um, You sent it over to me, and it was just like, just watch this, and you'll get a pretty good tone of what the movie's about. And I was like, okay, sounds good. So Anna wakes up. She's in an amazing mood. Um, she's ready to turn her life around. She's got Australia coming along. She's feeling good after the conversation with John from last night. Um, she's eating some chocolate. And she puts her headphones on, and she's basically dancing to school. And during this time, while she's dancing and singing, the world is going to shit around her. It's basically the one scene in Shaun of the Dead where Sean goes to the convenience store picks up his ice cream and then comes on back and just completely ignores that the fact that the world's going to hell around her and people are eating each other and fighting each other and there's blood and destroyed cars everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much the exact same thing, only in musical form. It's, it's, I, I love like, the word, the things that kind of happen. Like There's like these three girls who, like, a zombie's kind of near Anna, so these three girls come and start hanging them with their backpacks and like, yelling uh-huh. at her like, to leave, and she's just like dancing yes. in front of it, and then they just run away. <laughs> Yeah, a lady drops her stroller, and then a zombie comes in and starts eating the baby out of the stroller, and it's just like, Jesus Christ. 
And then the whole time, there's this really peppy turning my life around song where she's going, hey, you know, things are going to be okay. Things are going to be fine. And my favorite part is the refrain keeps repeating, what a time to be alive over and over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> For other zombies wandering around. So they go on in, and then Anna eventually meets up with John in a graveyard, of all places, and they start dancing back and forth when a snowman comes on up, and that's kind of how the song ends, a man dressed in a snowman outfit. And Anna comes on over and says, don't worry, I'm a first aider, I'll help you out, I'm just going to turn you over, and that's when we realize, holy shit, zombies are attacking, we're in the apocalypse part. So Anna and John start freaking out about it. They eventually kind of run to a playground. The um, buh, 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 the snowman follows them over, and they manage to decapac- decapitate it using a seesaw, mm-hmm. which creative death. Um, I'll give them that. <laughs> and the zombie still has still kind of rolling around in that snowman outfit, just kind of moving back and forth. And this is when they start sitting down, and this is when they start talking about, okay, these are zombies, we gotta destroy the head, this is what's happening right there. Um, And again, like I said earlier, I really like the fact that they just kind of went with it. There was no, oh my god, they're eating people, what are they doing? They just knew instinctively, these are zombies, this is what we have to do, now let's figure out a plan. Mm -hmm. Mm Um, the next scene, we head on back to the school where everyone is still there after last night's Christmas pageant, because I guess at some point between then and now, people realized that the zombies were coming on out and they did not want to go home and they figured they were safer in the school. So they're all in the cafeteria. They're all distributing water and food and Mr. Savage Savage comes on in and basically says, okay, I need to take control of this. There's an army base really close by. They will come. They will take care of this. We just need to keep our heads cool. And once again, this is Savage trying to establish control and showing that character trait right there. Mm. So that's that. Our next scene, we have Steph and Chris at the bowling alley. Um, And they don't work there, right? Mm. They just kind of found themselves there. Yeah, they, they found that the door was open in the back and they went in. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So they were out doing their filming thing and they found that the door was open and they just kind of came on in to keep themselves safe. Um, And at this point, Anna and John make their way back to the bowling alley too and they find the four of them together. And this is when they start talking about all of this going on right there. Um, And there's this really clever scene that I haven't done done very well in a lot of other zombie movies. But they go on their computers and they take a look at Instagram and they take a look at Snapchat. They take a look at how social media is kind of affecting the zombie apocalypse. Um, There's hashtags of zombies going around. um, Evac selfie, (laughs) where people are taking selfies with zombies (laughs) moving around right there. And at one point, um, Chris says, oh, my God, Justin Bieber is a zombie. And they start talking about how they think, you know, is Taylor Swift a zombie? No. What about Ed Sheeran? No, I'm not so sure about that. (laughs) But it's, you know, these are teenagers. Mm -hmm. And it really hammers in the point that even though the apocalypse is going around upon them, they're still gossiping and they're still addicted to their phones. Yeah which I think is going to tie into the theme you wanted to talk about when we get to our next song. Mm. Um, so I think that's that. Yeah, what else we got? Uh, oh, um, we do. We get a fight scene. We do get a fight scene, yeah. So we, we get our first kind yeah. of, because uh, I think at this point, 
uh, excuse me, we, we cut to, I think, is it Steph who's in the bathroom first, or is it when Anna goes to the bathroom? Uh, Steph is in yeah. the bathroom. So Steph, Steph goes to the bathroom. Um, no, actually, no, Anna goes to the bathroom, and uh, they, they're in there together, and uh, they find the janitor woman who John hit with a shoe earlier is zombified. And we get this kind of mm-hmm. great kind of take charge line for moment for Steph, which I think kind of plays into her mm-hmm. character arc a lot about somebody who kind of feels like she doesn't have yeah. control over what's going on and doing anything. Mm-hmm. So she just kind of runs in and like bashes this uh, woman's head in with uh, the top the toilet lid, which I've never seen mm-hmm. before in a movie, which I love. Like mm-hmm. it, she just completely destroys Did the head. new Halloween do that? With like with the toilet putting lid? the head in the thing and just slamming the toilet up and down. Yeah, didn't that happen to the reporter on the new Halloween? I don't think we saw her or the other guy actually die. Okay. Yeah, we, we didn't anyway. actually see how they died. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, which is awesome. And then uh, after that, some zombies like Kool Aid Man through the wall, which like break down. <laughs> it's actually yes. it's all the bowling guys that they that they kicked out earlier. Yeah, it's the bachelor party, the stag party guys. Mm-hmm. It's it's great. Yeah. Um, at one point, Chris uh, takes two bowling balls and just slams it into the side of the other of the zombie's head, and it's it's wonderful. Anna takes a hockey stick. I think it's a hockey stick, and just slams around. There's a lot of good teamwork going on with this one right here. Yeah. Um, at one point, Steph uh, impales a zombie with a spatula, and she gets really, really happy with herself. Yeah. Um, there's this uh, scene where one of the zombies grabs Steph's breast, right? And then that's... Oh, yeah, that's when she impales him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then she goes, fuck off! And then just keeps like, boom, impales. Well- um, a lot of creative kills in this one. I really like this. Oh, the zombie, she bowls the zombie head yeah. and gets a strike, and then the zombie comes on back. It's, it's very slapstick, and it's very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they were trying to go for a Shaun of the Dead, kind of don't stop me now type of thing at this point. Yeah, I agree. Um, like the climax of the movie, but it's a fun little scene. Mm-hmm. And then we get... Uh... So we get there, um, and we get our gore quota for the movie. Basically. <laughs> so we... So we head on over back to the school, and Mr. Savage and Lisa are talking with each other, and Mr. Savage gets a little more character development where he's saying, I see civilization on the brink of destruction, and I am doing my best to make sure that only the strongest survive, which is... Um, yeah, Lisa is very concerned about Chris's grandmother, who's not doing too well, and she says, hey, could we move her because she's, you know, she her back can't take this hard floor. And Savage says, no, she's weak. Only the strong should survive. And we're like, okay, Savage, who hurt you? What, what's, what's going on here? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then we get to our next musical number. We go back to the bowling alley, and we get our song, Human Voice, which is all about how none of them are communicating with each other and how the phones are going out and how the technology is going down and how desperately they all want to connect with each other again. Mm-hmm. And you kind of hit on one of the bigger themes of the movie when we were talking about this last. So I'm going to let you take point on this one. And what exactly do you think this movie is about in terms thematically? Well, yeah, I think, like, cause I feel like this, I remember when I first heard this song, I was kind of surprised. Well, not surprised, but when I kept listening to the lyrics, it didn't really fit with anything else that was going on in the movie until I kind of thought mm-hmm. about the theme that, like, I think a lot of the song and a lot of the movie is just kind of about the lack of communication between people. Just like we get back in the beginning with the father and her, how they don't actually talk about what her plans are. It doesn't seem like they really talk about their mother. Um, Mm -hmm. And just John and Anna have this kind of lack of communication about what's going on between them. Um, 
And I think that th this theme is very prevalent of just people become so absorbed in their technology and kind of absorbed in um, kind of what's going on in their lives that they're not actually talking to each other. They're just kind of making assumptions and they're mm -hmm. um, not really talking about how they feel. Um, and we kind of see, uh, find that out later with Nick as well, when we kind of find out about Nick and uh, her history, that mm -hmm. they never really talked about it. And that's what kind of made her, makes her feel very uncomfortable is they have this moment together mm -hmm. that they never really address. Um, and that they're also absorbed in kind of technology and the screens and kind of the, the life that they are perceived as having that they don't really want to expose themselves or kind of discuss what's really happening. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to, I thought to go out more notes. I can look at my notes. I did not write anything about the song, which I thought I did. Um, so yeah, it's, it kind of comes out of nowhere. Um, but I, I do feel that in terms of how well it analyzes the message of this movie, um, this one probably hits the hardest out of all of them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like you said, there's a whole bunch of self-absorbed teenagers and even Anna, um, should I had something for this one, Anna and how she just wants to get away from it all. She wants to disconnect from everyone. Um, because of everything that's happening in the school and from all the gossip and, you know, mean looks she gets. Um, like, even in the turning my life around when she's completely oblivious to the chaos going around her as she's walking to school and singing and dancing, it's, there, there's definitely a theme of self-absorption self and not paying attention to the moments mm -hmm. and communicating with each other in this film. And I like to like one one of the lyrics that they say is um, there's so much there's so much to fear in all this noise. Mm -hmm. like, like one of the lines is like uh, you know um, there's so much to fear in all this noise, but all I want to hear is human voice. And I feel like yeah. that's that, yeah, that's commentary on like the no what's happening in, around them, but also mm -hmm. like in terms of just like modern internet culture. Like there's so much like you know there's people just there's so much just like kind of scary things on the internet and so many uh, kind of extremists and people who just kind of like go in different directions and push so many like strong emotions around and kind of just throw out like accusations. Yeah, you got your echo chambers and social media has only exemplified that. So. Yeah. And they're saying like, it's, it's like, it's so like that itself is just so impersonal and uh, just, you know, kind of scary in terms of just what you're seeing that, um, mm -hmm. and like the, the pure amount of just like, I don't know, sad and like unfortunate things are happening in the world that are on the internet and are kind of people kind of push around that they're, that one-on-one that -on -one communication doesn't really have that as much because it's, Mm -hmm. more personal and they're kind of calling out for that they want that back um, which I really yeah. like um, yeah yep um, so at this point right here they kind of move through that and they decide that they're going to leave the bowling alley and head towards the school mm -hmm. just to see if they can meet everyone the army base is really close by um, their family and friends are there and they're going to have to connect in that way well, and so, oh, sorry, I guess, uh, so one before before we get to them are you going to them to them leaving right now uh, no, so you want to talk about the ball oh, pit. Yes. That's, that's it. That's it. Yes. Right. Talk Sorry. about the ball pit. I, I just love this. Okay. So, so we, we cut into the morning, um, and they wake up and the, we kind of seen the ball, ball pit that was in the, uh, bowling alley and they all wake up on, inside there and like, I'm sorry, that's the most fucking genius thing I've ever seen. Like that is how you survive a zombie apocalypse. You fucking sleep in a ball pit because there's air between like the, between the balls, you have air to breathe. None of the zombies are going to see you. And if one of them lands on top of it, it's not like they're going to do anything and like crawl into it. Like it's uh -huh. so smart. Like. I was like, I, I feel like in a zombie movie, I haven't seen, like, I know it's ridiculous for this to be the zombie movie that has, like, the wise decision that blows my mind, but uh, I was just so impressed with that idea that, like, holy shit, sleep in a ball yeah. pit. Yeah. Nothing yeah. bad will happen. Zombies won't be able to see you. 
And what they do is they take the ball pits and then they turn it over. So it's kind of a Pirates of the Caribbean canoe at the bottom of the ocean. Um, or not canoe, boat at the bottom of the ocean where they put the ball pits on top of their heads and they kind of wander through the zombies with that ball pit on top of their heads so the zombies won't be able to see them. And whenever a zombie gets too close, they just crouch down and then put the ball pit to the ground so they're hidden inside there. And that's what they do. So they start wandering out through the bowling alley, um, and they've got their little ball pits shield going on through. Uh, one zombie eventually sits and pees on the ball pits. Thankfully, no one gets wet because it's plastic. But eventually, a zombie who is cut in half and just lying on the ground sees their ankles and starts making their way towards them. Um, and they do do a lot of clever things with this. Like at one point, they stick their hand out with their phone so they could see what's going on using the camera app. Mm. But eventually the situation seems pretty dire. All the zombies are closing in on them. When out of nowhere, we have Nick, Anna's ex-boyfriend slash fling, come on up with his jock buddies um, singing a song about how much they love killing those zombies. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. That's great. So Nick, at this point in the movie, he is completely embracing the zombie apocalypse. And he's saying, like, this is fun. I get to go out and I get to slaughter zombies and loot and raid. And, you know, I'm enjoying this. I'm making I'm making lemonade out of these mm-hmm. lemons right here. Um, Anna kind of says, listen, that's not for us. We have to go ahead and we want to go traveling. We want to still get out of here. We can't come with you. We can't loot. Um, eventually Nick decides to convince him and says, okay, listen, we'll take you to the school. Let's just stick together for now. Uh-huh. And that's kind of what they decided to do. Um, anything to talk about with this thing? Uh, no, the, the song's pretty, I thought Soldier Out War is a pretty good song. Um, yeah, it's a catchy song. Um, I, I did like the weapons, like, cause like one of the lines he says is like, you know, have fun. He's like, step one, get yourself ready. Step two, have fun. Be creative and have fun. Yeah, and then use your imagination as well. That was part of like, them. and it's great because like you see like one kid has like two watermelons as a weapon. One uh-huh. kid has like an Xbox controller with like with like with uh-huh. like the uh, the cord attached. So he like swings around like a fit flail and like wraps up a zombie yeah. with it. And like one kid is holding two knives as like as if he's like X uh, X twenty three from uh, mm-hmm. the X Men series. It's yeah, it's great. It's just like <laughs> it kind of it takes that idea of like yeah, there are all these kids who have this kind of power fantasy of killing zombies, and this is what they would do like. I, I definitely see that as, like, when I was a kid, I was like, man, if there were zombies, it'd be kind of cool. We could, like, take them down. And, like, that that was that childhood <laughs> fantasy right there. It was great. Yep. yep. And then there couldn't it could not have happened to a better character. Like, he was the exact way to convey that medium through there. Yeah. Um, so we got that, and then we cut back to the school a little bit, and Savage is quickly losing authority. The people are saying, listen, the army base um, was completely taken over. All of the army guys are zombies right now. There is no hope for us. We need to get out of here. We need to come up with a plan. And Savage has this, you know, mustache twirling moment where he's saying, oh, I have a plan, all right. And then they cut to something else. Mm-hmm. So obviously Savage is going to betray the people, the survivors in some way. And we'll come back to that later. Um... There's this really cute scene where John and Anna are pushing each other in the shopping cart, and they're just kind of going back and forth through there. And going back to their relationship, this is the one scene where they actually do talk about them as a romantic potential. Mm -hmm. 
And this is where I really, really got the sense that John still wanted something more. Yeah. Um, because Anna just completely shuts him down and says, you're a good friend, John. And John says, yeah, yeah, I know. No, John, listen to me. You're a good friend. Yeah. And I could, the look on John's face is just like, I could see his heart breaking in two. And he's just like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, I get what you mean. And then they switch shopping carts. And that's really all it boils down to. But mm. I, I, I love you that know, team. It, it's, I like, yeah. Well, I think the way they do it, too, because like when, when, so it starts out with John pushing her in the cart and they're talking. And she's uh-huh. kind of worried about what's going on. And like, so he's kind of the positive one. And she's kind of like the downbeat John Jar one. So she's sitting facing him in the cart, like kind of her back against the front of it um, while he's looking at him while he's pushing. And then when the, time, when the time comes where he's like, hey, you know, at least you'll be here. Like, you'll be going anywhere. That's kind of good. He has kind of positive outlook while she's kind of like, we're all going to die here. And then mm-hmm. when that switch comes, when he's like, you know, it'd be nice to have you here. And she's like, but hey, John, you're, you're like, you know, my, you're my best friend. And he gets downtrodden. Then they switch. So she's kind of one supporting mm-hmm. him, but he refuses to look at yeah. it. So he's sitting with his back to her. And I thought, Ooh, I thought the yeah, body language, the thing. way they kind of set that up was really smart because it was him supporting uh-huh. her while her kind of being in it with him. And yeah. then when it turns to her supporting him, he can't face her, which I thought was yeah. really nice. Um, I just literally pulled the screenshot of the movie right there and I'm going to send that over to you. But uh, yeah, that completely exemplifies the feeling of that movie right there where, you know, Anne, Anne is kind of smiling and looking forward to the future. Yeah, because she's also talking about at this point how she is still planning on going to Australia, even though everything that happened, she's still keeping positive. She's still moving on through. And John is just completely heartbroken at this point. But I'm really glad the movie did that. I'm really glad that they didn't go the route of, well, they learned to love each other again through this awful apocalypse. Um, You know, sometimes that's actual life. And, you know, it's not fair to Anna to, you know, have John keep pining after her. So just cutting that off at the source, nipping that in the bud. I'm I'm really glad the movie did that. Well, I kind of think like, and you know, we talk about Shaun of the Dead a lot. I actually didn't really like in Shaun of the Dead at the end where Liz uh, kind of and him get back together at the cost of Nick yeah. Frost. Like, I kind of really didn't mm-hmm. like that. I thought that was kind of like a... Yeah. Bros before hopes. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it, like, it, was, it was just <laughs> like, it was like, I get it. Like, cause it was a redemption for uh, Nick and kind of showing that, you know, he uh-huh. cared about him and stuff, but it was also just like, I don't like, I never... Sean didn't really improve as a person. Yeah, he didn't. He just kind of yeah. got the girl that he wanted. So I like that in this one, they kind of say like, yeah, this is, you know, friends, characters, male and female mm-hmm. characters can just be friends and it will work out. Well, kind of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong yeah. with that. Yeah. So it's all good. Um, so at this point, Nick basically says, hey, guys, there's a shortcut through this Christmas tree emporium. <laughs> and everyone's just like, guys, this is a terrible idea. Well, if we don't take this shortcut, it's going to be dark by the time they get out. And I'm sorry. Like, what the fuck? Like, how long are those buildings yeah. that you can't fucking go around? Yeah. Like, yeah. I was thinking the exact same thing, too, because they're in basically a shopping plaza. It's just like, okay, so you have to go to the other end of this outdoor mall. So what? It's <laughs> like, I feel like anybody watching that read that for exactly what it was. Like, all right, guys, we need to thin the herd a little bit. Let's go through here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we have exactly. too many people alive right and that's now. Ex- Let's go. Yeah, and that's exactly what happens. They go through the Christmas tree emporium. Surprise, surprise! Zombies come on out. Ooh, this is the part where Anna gets her main weapon. Oh, yeah. uh, she's got a gigantic plastic candy cane um, that she sharpens the end of. So it's a. Uh, it's basically a spear at this point, and it's wonderful. Um, she... Perfectly exemplifies the Christmas thing. Perfectly exemplifies the character. Was it plastic it. or is it wood? Because at one point she hit something and it has a very like thick sound to it. I think it must be might be supposed to be wood. Because I think plastic wouldn't do the damage she's doing. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, so wood, metal, I don't know, something like that. But yes, she 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 kicks some ass with it. Mm-hmm. It's great. 
Um, Nick loses his jock buddies, and this is the point where... Oh, uh, Chris goes back for his phone at one point. Yeah, well, this is kind of where we see, again, we see Chris kind of absorbed, like, in that phone. Um, yeah. And I, we get actually another nice scene, because Steph saves him. And Steph, we kind of, we keep seeing Steph as, like, the competent one here. Steph is, is the yeah. hero of this movie, basically. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah. she kind of confronts him about the fact that he almost lost his phone, and he's just like, hey, but this is, like, kind of back to that human voice. And he's like, these are the only memories I have. These are the only things that I, like, he's like, like, like he's like, he thinks that um, Lisa, Liz, Lisa? Loose. Yeah, uh, he Lisa. thinks Lisa's dead basically at that point. He's like, these are like they said this yeah. is all that I have in my family and my and my girlfriend. So he's like yeah. very attached to it. Um and it's kind of a nice little yeah. thing. And if he loses that, then he loses the memories when he doesn't realize that, you know, it's it's more than the phone and pictures. It's <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and we kind of get that mm-hmm. thing that Steph is also worried about her family. Because we kind of mm-hmm. he, he makes some he makes like an asshole comment about her how her parents left her or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um and he's like, At least you know yours are alive, something like that. Um mm-hmm. which is kind of like an interesting comment. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Nick is really kind of man sad about losing. Excuse me. He's uh, really like macho sad about losing his friends, but he just kind of glares at them with a single tear rolling down his face. And then he says, let's keep moving. There's no use waiting in the past. We should have kept, they should have kept Anna tries. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anna tries to connect with him a little bit, but he just kind of shrugs her off. Um, you know, he's, he's trying to act tough and moving on in. Mm-hmm. So we got that right there. Um, and this is a scene where John comes on out and John and Anna are walking on through and John tries to lighten up the mood by saying, Hey, I remember the rest of the reindeer. And he starts counting them off, throws his hands up in the air to, um, basically be a victory and zombie comes out of nowhere. John gets bitten at this point, which like I honestly, at this point in the movie, I was kind of expecting things to turn around for Anna and John and kind of go the Shaun of the dead Mm. routes. Um, so I'm really surprised that they kill him off this early. Um, Mm. well, I mean, it's, I guess it's not early. It's an hour into the film, but yeah, this, this scene kind of shocked me for that one right there. Um, how about you coming? Um, uh-huh. I, I, I didn't really see him surviving to the end. I thought he was going to die somehow. I didn't quite know how. Yeah. Um, so I, I didn't really, I wasn't too surprised when it did happen. Um, mm-hmm. I was kind of surprised at the way that they just, that he, the abruptness of what happened after. Um, yeah. though if you do notice actually, um, when that's going on, there is like a piano version of turning my life around playing in the background right before he gets bit into that little emotional scene, which yeah. I kind of liked. Because it's like mm-hmm. it was kind of like I don't know, like you'll see a couple of times when characters die, um, they they'll play kind of a piano version of one of the songs that they sing. I thought that was really nice yeah. for him. Kind of that was that's kind mm-hmm. of his send off. Um, yeah, which I enjoyed. Yeah, so that's that. So he gets bitten right there. Anna and him get separated from the rest of the group by a group of zombies, and then John decides to do his big heroic attempt where he bear hugs Anna from behind. And then just backwards barrels through the zombies, um, using his own body to shield her, and tosses her aside to the rest of the group. And then he just kind of gets mauled by zombies. Yeah. So that's the end of John. Unfortunate. And then, uh-huh. so what do you think about what happened after that? What, what did you think about? So we we have a nice little scene where she is, um, you know, fighting against and Nick. You know, Nick has to kind of hold her back. She tries to get to him. Um, uh-huh. And actually, sorry, just to run a little bit. What I do actually really love about that scene is when he gets bit. There's that like immediate acceptance about what's going to happen, and he has this kind of look on his yeah. face of like, well, "Well, shit!" Like, and I kind of love it because it's kind of heartbreaking. 
Because I, I almost kind of yeah. feel like, again, like, that idea that, like, that I, that I kind of felt he had some acceptance of the not-Hollywood ending was kind of just, mm-hmm. that was just his reaffirmation of what was going to happen. He's kind of like, well, fuck, I guess I don't get the girl. And then he's like, all right. And then he did his thing. Mm-hmm. So, like, I kind of really yeah. like that. I don't know if that, like, was intentional in what they wanted it to be, but, like, I found that, that little expression made kind of heartbreaking because it was just him kind of accepting his mm-hmm. fate and being like... Yeah. No, I really like that, too. It, it wasn't say any, well, maybe I can change that. There wasn't any arguing. He was just, he used that as his heroic moment. He realized, this is what I need to do, and, yeah, it sucks, but I'm going to go ahead and do it, too. And I feel that acceptance is very quick, too, with another death that occurs later on in the movie mm-hmm. um, that we can talk about when we get there. But yeah, it's, once again, people, the characters in this movie, they don't sit down and say, oh, you know, maybe I can bargain with this, maybe I can do this, maybe I can do that. No, they just, they know the rules of the zombies, and there's no sitting down and having the same discussion we've seen in zombie movies a million times before. It's, I'm bit, I'm going to turn into a zombie, I don't have much time, what can I do with that time? So. Well, and, like, and so then after that, like, you know, she's freaking out, and Nick's doing, uh, kind of hold her back, basically. And there's this line we get from uh, Steph, who, you know, is at this point our kind of resident badass, resident good person uh, at doing everything. Mm-hmm. And she kind of sticks her face in Anna's face and says, your dad is waiting for you. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like her slap her awake kind of moment. And to me, that yeah. felt really flat. Like, I thought that was, like, this, one of the, what if, uh, like, it kind of, it, first off, the actress didn't deliver that line very well, which is unfortunate because she does a really good job with her character otherwise. But I just think it's also mm-hmm. a bad line because I was thinking, like, in this moment, like, you know, your best friend's getting mauled and all this stuff. If if somebody were to be like, hey, your dad's, like, your dad's waiting for you, like, not that I don't like my family or whatnot, but, like, the immediacy of a friend being mauled in front of you isn't going to take the backseat to a possibility of somebody who's far away, you know? Yeah. I think what she was going for with that one right there is she was trying to get her refocused. It wasn't a, hey, ignore your friend. But Anna was clearly just in berserker mode. And that was her son's coming down big guy moment where she said, listen, yes, it sucks, but we need to keep focused. We need to keep going. We can mourn him. Yeah, I, I just like it, it had, mm-hmm. in the movie, it had an immediate ref- effect of her like immediately sobering up. Okay, let's go. And I just wish there was mm-hmm. more. I wish, I wish there was a little bit more of a, of she a was, conflict. She's trying to hold it in. A yeah, bit. I, I wish I wish there's a little bit more of uh-huh. a break in it. Like, I don't like the idea yeah. that she just like I don't know. I, it just it felt very. The movie needs her to go in this direction, so we're going to push in that direction immediately. While I feel like there'd be a little mm-hmm. bit more. Um, and then that gotcha. kind of also like we get so then we get kind of Anna's badass moment, uh, quote unquote, mm-hmm. where she basically uh, slaps zombies with her uh, candy cane, which sounds mm-hmm. like porn. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that also felt flat for me. I thought that because again, it was supposed to be this dramatic moment. And I think what the issue was, was they held on these very long shots of her winding up and doing this ridiculous looking swing with the candy cane mm-hmm. to kind yeah. of show that, you know, she's serious now and she's on top of it. But I think editing wise, they should have done a lot quicker, closer shots of, of like, like short, quick shots of her, you know, stabbing, smacking, sp- smashing. And it would have, I think, mm-hmm. kind of articulated that idea more of her being angry. I think that would have felt a lot more angry and powerful with those quick cuts mm-hmm. and then these long kind of open shots of her winding up and swinging the thing around her head a couple of times before hitting a zombie. I think mm-hmm. it, it kind of messed up with the pace and the emotion of what was, I don't think the cuts and the way that it was filmed matched the emotion they were going for. Um, I gotcha. think it was just, it was too, you were seeing too much. It was too broad. It was kind of, they were pulled back too much. Um, and, and mm-hmm. had, which I think kind of doesn't help give this idea of in her head. She's has this turmoil going on right now. 
Mm-hmm. Like I could see what they're going for. I just thought that they were they weren't showing it properly. I thought they could have done a little bit different with it. Yeah, because um, Anna really doesn't have a mental collapse at this movie. I mean, she has her badass moment right here, but for the rest of the movie, she's she doesn't seem that broken up about everything that's been going on. She still keeps her positivity. She still keeps her moving on through. And except for that one scene at the very, very end of the movie, that's pretty much it. Yeah. So. It's just like, to me, it just, it just mm-hmm. felt like, like I knew what they wanted the moment to be, but they just didn't pull it off effectively. And I think a lot of it was just yeah. the way, like, and I think, again, it was, it was to make her look powerful and strong, but I think that they didn't necessarily mm-hmm. do it correctly. Um, which, yeah. which I, which gotcha. is a missed opportunity. I felt like, um, and I felt it also uh-huh. kind of, took away a lot of, because that emotional response wasn't as strong, it made the response to John's death not as strong, and kind of soured uh-huh. that moment a little bit for me. Um, gotcha. But it was good. Like, but, okay, mm-hmm. cool. So we got that right there, um, and then they keep on moving on. Um, it is just the four of them at that point, Nick, uh, Nick, Anna, Steph, and Chris, and they head on over to the school where they see Mr. Savage right behind the front desk. And Mr. Savage obviously has a trap planned for them. But they basically say, hey, Dick, listen, we're here to get my family and friends. And then Savage says, oh, well, they, you know, weren't the best well-behaved or something like that. Mm. I don't know. He's, he's very stereotypical creepy villain at this point. And then they basically just go, all right, whatever. Where are they? And then he goes, oh, they're right there in the cafeteria. Head on into the cafeteria. They, all of the survivors are completely zombified at this point. Um, we don't see Lisa and we don't see Chris's grandmother, but the rest of the members of the school are completely zombified and Savage locks the door behind them. And <laughs> this is when we get the most Scooby-Doo <laughs> moment of the entire movie, where Savage is behind the uh, kitchen... Um, great um the what was it called the blinds yeah Yeah. he's behind the kitchen blinds and he blows a whistle and the zombies start attacking our survivors and they're basically just running around using the kitchen tables and using whatever they can find to keep these massive zombies at bay while the whole time mr savage is seeing that nothing's gonna stop me now the world needs you know a new leader they need power and civilizations on the brink of extinction and i'm gonna be the one that survives so, it's a very slapstick kind of song. Mm. It's our evil villain, Scar, Be Prepared song, where they're going back That's exactly what I wrote down. I wrote down. I wrote down, it's like a weird rock version of Be Prepared. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, probably my least favorite song in the I entire movie, but... I, 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 yeah. I, I felt like, not only was it like the lyrics were really bad, because there were a lot of times where he just kind of broke the theme to say a line. Like, I noticed a lot uh-huh. of his character, actually. I can't tell like if it was just like the person writing for him or if it was on purpose, where like he is, uh-huh. his lines would just kind of fall out of the rhythm of the song and he just like say these really weird awkward like shoving all these words into a, a beat to try to make it work like broken rhyming and it was uh-huh. just really fucking grating um but also like yeah. what he's doing he's just like fucking jumping around like i get he's making noise and shit but he's already never really got his attention like if like so what he's doing in there and he's jumping around his dance and shit is just completely and utterly pointless and that that mm-hmm. killed me like i was like I, like, the time, I was like what are you doing like what is your goal here buddy like it, you, already, you already made enough noise that they recognize that they're there. So you making more noise is just going to distract them uh-huh. from killing the people that they're trying to kill. Like, what? Yeah. I, I think at this point he's just completely gone insane. And they were just trying to show that he's completely lost it and on edge and not really thinking clearly. But, yeah, I, I agree. It's He's not a very effective um, zombie baiter, yeah. I guess. Terrible. Terrible. Yeah. Um, 
So we move on through. Eventually, um, they manage to break open the grates and they escape the cafeteria. Head on in around. Um, Nick, at this point, is cornered by a whole bunch of zombies and he makes a heroic sacrifice to save himself or to save Anna. Well, we, we do get a little scene and, before that. Just kind of rewind a little bit. Uh, so, yeah. so basically, Nick and Nick and Anna go to get her dad while uh, Steph and Chris go to uh, get her car keys and to save um, Lisa. Um, mm-hmm. And Nick and Anna have this little moment kind of basically where uh, Nick kind of is like, hey, you know, you're, you're being a little bit ridiculous about John and all that stuff. And um, she basically, uh, she kind of like tells us that this is where we kind of learn about the fact they've had a relationship and that um, basically Anna, at some point they had sex and then Anna kind of shared her idea of getting out with him and thought they had this mm-hmm. great emotional connection and he basically just kind of dropped her after that. Um, he didn't really yeah. kind of apparently told some people about it and she just said that she was really hurt by the fact that, like, they had these, they shared these dreams and these ideas, and he just kind of didn't care about them. Um, uh-huh. And this is where also learn what happens, why Nick is kind of a dick. Um, we kind of, mm-hmm. uh, Nick kind of explains that when the zombie thing happened, his father, who we kind of get the idea is kind of an abusive dick, uh, basically gave him a baseball bat and said, like, son, for once in your life, don't disappoint me. So we learned that mm-hmm. Nick smashed his father's head in, basically. Uh, with that, with that bag he's been carrying around, um, which was kind of alluded mm-hmm. to earlier when Steph makes a comment about her, his dad when they first meet, and he looks, he like goes ape shit for a second, um, mm-hmm. and that's, and then basically, because Anna basically says that like John was you know a million times better than you, like because he's basically shitting on John, um, and he never, you know, he sacrificed himself for me. You never do that. So when these zombies come, he yeah. uh, kind of pushes her aside, and then kind of calls the zombies over, and we kind of cut away from him as he begins singing his song "Soldier at War" again, mm-hmm. as he's getting attacked. Yeah. So that's that's right there, um, and that's kind of Nick's way to kind of redeem himself. But we do get a little bit of yeah, character develop from from him, and yeah, it's interesting. So we got that. Uh, Chris does find Lisa again, and it's this very slow shot where he opens up the door, and then Lisa's sitting with the back her back turned to them, and we're just like, oh shit, is she a zombie? And then she does turn around. She's fine. But unfortunately, Grandma's dead. Her heart or whatever it was couldn't take it. Um, But Lisa's okay. She's fine. So the three of them, Steph, Lisa, and Chris, decide to go to the teacher's lounge to get the car keys. And unfortunately, the teacher's lounge is completely infested with zombies. So Steph does her best Solid Snake and Metal Gear impression and goes on through the table, sneaks around... They use a TV to distract the zombies um, by kind of casting and sinking the colorful lights up to the TV, which, I don't know. Like, is that an established zombie rule in this movie? Are they easily distracted by stuff well, like because, that? Well, um, I think it's because there's, like, noise and stuff coming from it. it, was, it was, they basically just, they're playing the video that they recorded at the uh, homeless shelter. Um, yeah. I think that just, the noise distracted them, basically. Yeah, and it, it, it's, it's weird because... Lisa is right behind the TV, but they just stand there and they just look at the TV and they don't see her at all. So I don't know. It, it just it was kind of like okay, whatever. Well, we'll make the plot work. Yeah, that, that was an awkward choice. I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Steph goes on in. Um, she gets the car keys. She finds a dildo in there or a vibrator in there and accidentally turns it on. The zombies find her. And then, oh, yeah, and then that's the point they turn the TV on, just to distract yeah. it right there. Um, and Lisa and Chris head on in to the teacher's lounge to turn on the TV because the battery is dying out on the phone. 
Um, so they eventually go in, they plug it in, the phone into the charger, but unfortunately in the whole scuffle, both Chris and Lisa get bitten. Um, and then this is a really sweet scene because like John, they both accept what's mm. happening. They both don't bargain with it. They're obviously upset about it, but they just embrace each other and start dancing as videos of the two of them start playing on the TV and as they slowly turn into zombies. Mm. And there's this really cute scene where Steph is at the front door with the keys and then they all, the three of them, look at each other and Steph gives a little wave saying, you know, hey, thank you, you guys are all right. And then she yeah. leaves. So, but I, do, yep. I do have an issue with that though because when, when the battery starts dying on it, and because like, the battery starts dying, so which, which then makes the zombies kind of turn around. But when the battery starts mm-hmm. dying, the TV makes a loud blink beeping noise. I feel like that would distract them even uh-huh. more. <laughs> I think like, like, I mean, that's even better than like a little video with some, with some minor noise. That's like loud and distracting. Like how did that? How did they turn around from that? <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. I don't know. But anyway, so we got that, um, and then we get to the climax of the scene where Anna goes into the hall where. Mr. Savage. Oh, God. Savage is. And this is the same room where they had the Christmas performance. Dad is tied up on stage. Zombies are all around. She walks in with her candy cane steak. And then they have their big showdown song um, where Anna is. It's called Give Them a Show. And Savage is talking about how humanity's rotten and it needs to be reset. And Anna is just saying, well, you know what? I'm still going to fight for it. I'm still going to give them a show, even if all hope seems lost. Yeah. I, I like that. Um, I thought that was like a nice, because it was, it was yeah. a nice kind of, I think for her it was a nice, it was showing her character development where it goes from the world shit to, mm-hmm. hey, if it's shit, let's at least try, which I like. Yeah, exactly. Puts her hair up in the ponytail, has herself a little badass moment right there. Um, and... She ends up going up and she ends up rescuing dad. Mr. Savage loses control again and he's not too happy about it. So he tries to threaten the both of them by smashing a bottle and tries basically shiving them open where dad and Savage have a scuffle. And um, eventually during the whole thing, Savage falls into a pit of zombies and gets torn alive day of the dead style, which was wonderful. Yeah, that's basically yep. it for that scene. Like yep. the only thing I gotta say though, like, damn, Savage knew to save the dad. Like, like why, why, why did that? Why did Savage keep the dad alive? What was the purpose? Uh-huh. Yeah, that was that was kind of weird. But anyway, like, um, honestly, because he had no idea that Anna was coming back. Like, so. What I thought when I first saw that was like kind of it made me doubt the reality of the situation. I was like, oh shit, is this gonna be like some fever dream that she had, and then she's gonna wake up in the morning? It's gonna be like her, uh-huh. you know, she wakes up and she now she has a different perspective on the world after having this crazy dream. Uh, because mm-hmm. I was like, this is too, like, weird that for some reason Savage took her father and ties him up with Christmas lights of all things. Like, it was getting so ridiculous <laughs> that I thought, like, it was going to yeah. be some turn on, like, what reality was. But that mm-hmm. didn't end up being the case. <laughs> nope. Not happening. So we got that. Uh, Dad and Anna have their tear-filled moments. Anna apologizes for being such a dick to her last night. And Dad forgives her. And then Dad realizes that in the scuffle with Savage, he has been bitten. Oh, bum, shit. Bum, bum. So, they have their tearful goodbye. They say that they love each other. Um, and Anna says goodbye. And Nick has survived. And Nick comes on in, and Anna and Nick leave together. Um, so, poorly, that moment. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I think we get a couple of nice things in that scene. Like, one of them, we get, we get where she asks, um, 
she asked her father if she, he wants her to help him, like, okay, you know, kill him basically. And Nick kind of pops in, and is like, no, don't do that. Yeah. And he's like, hey, that fucked me up. Let's not do that. Which, which I kind of like. Mm-hmm. I like that moment. Um, and I thought it was a little sad. But so when he, when he leaves, do you remember what he says to her when she leaves? I do. He not. says, "Merry Christmas, Anna." Why the fuck would you say that to your daughter when you're dying and like <laughs> she's leaving you behind to get like and like a zombie? Like that would scar. Like I, I would feel like that girl can never have a fucking Christmas again. Like Jesus Christ, do not frame like leaving your dad and all this death and destruction around Christmas. Like I think at that point Christmas was already pretty like, well. Really it was, but it was just like it's just like a weird. Like it, it reminds me of like like have you ever seen like the Doctor Who Christmas specials? Like, like, is this just, like, a yes. European thing where, like, they just love talking about Christmas? Like, because I feel like every Doctor Who Christmas special, there's, like, what is Christmas? It's Christmas. And, like, this uh-huh. was, like, as soon as they said that, I was like, God, why the fuck would you say that to your daughter? Like, hey, daughter, you have to leave, you have to, like, traumatically leave your father to die, your friend just died. Mm-hmm. Merry Christmas. I don't know. My two British friends, they both absolutely hate Christmas. So, so I don't know. You might be onto something. Maybe there's some sort of, like, repressed rage with Christmas over in England. It was, it was so. fucked up. I don't know. Let's talk to Tom about this. What does Tom think about Christmas? <laughs> Uh, oh, Tom hates Christmas. That. Tom absolutely hates Christmas. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we got that right there. Um, so yeah, so we've got that. We're moving on through. And Anna and Nick decide to leave. And they basically have no idea where to go. But they're sitting there and they're thinking about it. Um, and they have our last song in the movie, which is I Will Believe. Mm. And it's basically their song saying that as long as they have breath in their body, they're going to keep on fighting. They're going to keep on believing that things are going to get better. And they're going to keep persevering. Well, and that's actually, I thought it was really interesting. Because it wasn't like a hopeful song, I felt. Like, to me, it felt, it, I could I kept going back and forth. I even looked at the lyrics and kind of listened to it again. Uh-huh. Like, it, it, it's hard for me to tell if it's, like, supposed to be positive. Because... Like, a lot of it's about, you know, looking back, how, like, all hope seems to drain, and nothing, nothing's really happening anymore. He's like, but at least they have the memories. But they never say yeah. they're going to keep pushing past it. They just said that even though this was a bad situation, at least have the memories from it. So, like, I always, I, I took that as a very accepting of death kind of thing, saying, like, hey, things were yeah. bad, but at least we got to do it. Like, it was like, you know, life may have been shitty, but at least you got to live it. Which yeah. is interesting. And at this point, the zombies are closing in on them, and it's a very dire situation. Steph rolls in with a little blue car. Uh-huh. Yeah, Steph rolls in, goes, bam, saved your life. And the three of them drive off into the sunset together, and Steph goes, where to? And we get this nice little reprise, this orchestrated version of uh, No Such Thing as a Hollywood mm-hmm. Ending. And they all leave the town, and two parts unknown, I, and that is the end of Anime Apocalypse. I like that too. Like, I like that Hollywood ending played. And mm. oh yeah, I just, love that. And they just—it was just a nice long, like otherwise silent cut of them just sitting there. The only thing that again mm-hmm. was kind of weird is at the end, Anna smiles, <laughs> which is just like, mm-hmm. like yeah, like I, I get it. It's it's that hopeful thing, but it's like literally just two minutes ago you had to say goodbye to your father, like, like. Like, uh-huh. totally, like, I'm, like, I would just prefer she just kind of stared off into space, but I guess that's kind of awkward and weird. But, mm-hmm. and did you also hear the other reprise of Hollywood Ending? Uh, the, what a time to be alive. No, that's, um, turning my life around. No, what was uh, the other when, reprise? Uh, when Chris and, um, Chris and Lisa are dying. Like, the, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That it's, it's, you hear that little theme playing again, which I like. Like, which, again, it works perfectly for their characters, because it was their Hollywood Ending, quote, unquote. Yeah, and the, like you said, Roman and Juliet, they die together. Like, like yeah. the I'm actually surprised at how well some of these kind of like subplots work and like the things that they do. I was actually mm-hmm. really surprised by that. I didn't expect it. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, that's that. Uh, so overall, uh, we talked a little bit about what we both thought of Anne on the Apocalypse. Like, the concept was really cool, and the concept was really interesting. I felt like if there were more zombie musicals out there, this would probably rank one of the above-average mm-hmm. ones. But because it's so unique and because there aren't too many of them, it, it's worth it for the concept yeah. alone. And for the soundtrack, too. I really like the and soundtrack. So I, did, I, was, I watched some of the special features, and they talked about how apparently this is originally like a short movie, a short musical, called like uh-huh. Zombie Musical, and I found it on YouTube and watched it. Uh, this is definitely an improvement. Yeah. Um, that one was very, uh-huh. that one's very, a lot shorter than like maybe 20 minutes, uh, and it kind of had like, it kind of picked up uh, where Turn My Life Around starts. She goes to school, meets some guy, they sing a song. The savage character, I think uh-huh. at this time, is a janitor. Um, and he like, kidnaps yeah. the guy. Then I think the boyfriend dies, she meets, and then they leave, basically, and then she's gone by herself again. So it's, it's a lot shorter, a lot more condensed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the music in this one's a lot better. Um, but apparently, mm-hmm. um, the kind of the genesis of this movie was uh, this guy named Ma- Ryan McHenry, who I guess I did a lot of work on it, yeah. and unfortunately, I guess he died um, in between the making, after the making of the short, before the movie was officially made. Um, so I think mm-hmm. a lot of that movie apparently is a tribute to them. Like, a lot of guys, you know, the people who were involved in it seemed to, like, really be really close to the guy who originally kind of came with it, which is kind of a sad thing, but I mm-hmm. like the idea that, uh, I, I like that it was kind of like almost like a tribute to him as well. Um, I thought that was yeah. really cool. Cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. All right, awesome. All right, so, uh, definitely, would you recommend yeah, it? Yeah, I definitely would. Like, I'd say, you know, don't, don't expect magic out of it, uh, but I think the mm-hmm. songs are catchy enough, and I think it's a fun enough film to watch once or twice. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's weird because, like, it's so... But it did feel like a feel-good movie yeah. to me. Like, even though pretty much everyone dies, it's a zombie movie. As long as you go in expecting that. Like, it is. It's a very, overall, it's a very positive movie. I was singing along to a lot of the songs just, like, randomly on my running soundtrack. Um, yeah, it's, it's... It's got a very positive sense about it. Well, it's interesting, so. too, because I feel like movie musicals aren't as common... Anymore, not that they were ever like super common, but I feel like not as common. Mm-hmm. And there's the the style of musical, like where it's it's these movies where the songs aren't necessarily progressing the plot, but they're just kind of there and they kind of cut away. It's like an old kind of fashioned musical, but uh, I kind of miss them. Like I kind of miss like Emo the Musical. I think it's on Netflix. You should check it out sometime. It's a very kind of similar style where like it's obviously like uh-huh. auto tuned and obviously they're singing in a studio, and then the songs are just them kind of popping around. Um, but it's fun. Like I think it's there. I like this kind of genre of uh, movie musical, and I kind of I'm curious to see if I can dig up more of them. Um, mm-hmm. And actually, what do you think about that? What did you think about the way the singing was put in? Like I in an, originally kind of like the emo musical, it, it irked me. Um, the how artificial the sound the music was uh, compared to mm-hmm. the singing. Like it actually kind of made me appreciate like Les Mis and stuff a little bit in terms of like what they did with singing on singing on set. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, by the end of it, I got, I got, you know, I got over it, but. Yeah, I, I, I felt that the studio quality of the soundtrack, it helped set the tone. I, I honestly had no problem because it. it wasn't trying to go for a gritty zombie music yeah. movie. Like, they really did, when they focused on it, they, they understood, hey, this is going to be, <sighs> like, they did not want it. They wanted to keep it cheesy. They wanted to keep it tongue in cheek. Mm-hmm. And having these bright Disney-fied versions of all of these songs. Because it does. It hits all the same. You've got your yearning song where in Breaking Free, where all the characters talk about their wants. We've got our evil villain, Scar, Be Prepared song. We have our, 
you know, celebration song. We have our sad song at the very end where the character tells the moral of the story. So it hits all of the same Disney notes that they usually yeah. do. But I agree. What and I um Yeah. Fuck. You remind me of something and I forgot it immediately after. Fuck, fuck. <laughs> uh there was a thing, and it was involved what you were just saying, and it was cool. Uh, Disney musicals, uh, studio quality. Oh, was, okay, thank you. Uh, so I, after kind of watching, I did look into the uh, the actors' other kind of credits and stuff, and it was kind of interesting. Uh-huh. Um, uh, you can they they have some YouTube videos online. You can find them actually singing the songs, and actually, it's kind of yeah. like the live version of the songs. Like these kids are actually like, really good singers. Like I, actually, I can't remember who. There's one character who I remember listening to and thinking that they didn't sound as good, but then. When uh-huh. they sang it live, I thought they sounded awesome. So I kind of feel bad. I can't remember who, which what character it was. Um, I'll just try to figure it out. But there's one of the characters who I just feel kind of was almost underserviced by the soundtrack when they did with it. Because I feel like they mm-hmm. the tuning kind of uh, robbed them of some of it. Fucked yeah. over. Uh, it may have mm-hmm. been, may have been uh, Lisa's character, but I can't remember. But anyway, they, they're, all the singers are great. Like You can find videos of them online kind of singing songs from this or singing their stuff together. And they're it's awesome. Like They have such good voices. Cool. I'll have to check that out then. All right, awesome. Anything, any closing thoughts to add to uh, this one? No, just go see it. Um, do you have a? Do you know what we're going to do next week or next uh, next film? Have we decided that yet? Uh, we have a couple different ideas. I believe what we talked about next is either we are going to focus on Leprechaun for oh, St. Yeah. Patrick's Day, or we were going to dwell a little bit niche. Okay. More. One of the two. And we have a couple stuff right there. Uh, keep, uh, like our Facebook page to keep an update on what we're doing oh. next. Uh, once again, thank you to Teddy's Atlas for the use of our theme song. Um, it is called Horror Movie Story, and you can get it off the album Children of the Corn. They're good, good Canadian boys. Yeah, listen and, to them. And, and given this is a musical episode, I want to say it. That Teddy's Atlas song, like, every once in a while I listen to one of the episodes, I fucking love that song. Like, it's such a nice little opening beat. It's, it is. It's great. I, I love it. I love it. It's great. Random Land SoundCloud. They're great. All right. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you, Andrew. And thank you, listeners, for listening. And we will catch you next time. Bye.